Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spath. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchvictoria.com, or you can check us out at Facebook at facebook.com slash vctchurch. Um, this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets. And if you're listening to this via the Heart and Hands podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, I want to encourage you to like the video and subscribe to the channel so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share the video. That really helps us out. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16 uh, tonight. I'm really excited to get into it. Why don't we pray and get started? Okay. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together this evening. We uh, thank you, Father, for the power of the word. We thank you for the for the ability that you give to us to understand and, and to comprehend it. And uh, Father, we ask for that you give us the courage uh, to apply the things that we're going to that we're going to study today, that we you give us the courage to apply them to our lives. Be with our audience. You know each one of them. You know what their situations are and what their needs and wants are. And I just pray, Father, that your your hand would be on each one of them and bless them in a very powerful way. Thank you, Father, again for blessing us and thank you for bringing us together this evening. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. As we said, you know we're going to be in Exodus 16, and and so. You know, just recapping gently, you know, Pharaoh, God has led the people of e e uh, the Israelites out of Egypt in a powerful way. Mm -hmm. And they started singing and praising God right after the Red Sea. And then, boom, first trial along the way, they start questioning God. And that and that really leads me to, to the question for this episode. You know, why do we struggle believing that God is going to provide? Like, why do we struggle? Why is that? Why do we have tension there? To struggle with with understanding it or believing it that, that God's going to take care of us. Just yeah, believing it. I mean, I think to some extent there is a, there's a knowledge deficiency, right? I mean, I, I could say some people don't don't understand that God is going to provide, but for those who do know the Scripture and are in the church, why do we struggle with this concept that God's going to provide? I, I still think Cole. I think it's a lack. It's a it's a. I'm not say a lack of faith, but it's a. Uh, an inconsistent faith, I think, sometimes. Okay. You know, we're human beings. God knows that. And we struggle with our own misconceptions and our own egos and our all, all that stuff. And uh, guys are different than women. You know, adults are different than children. You know, and the way we approach and the way we navigate through problems in our lives. And, you know, we're different cultures. You know, one culture is different than another culture. One one ethnic group is different than another ethnic group. And I think we all have we all bring something different to the table. Thank God I'm not God that has to navigate through all that stuff. But uh, you know, he's very he's very loving and very forgiving and very kind. Do you uh, think people believe that about God? I think I think many people do. Uh, there's some that never will. There's some that won't ever believe that. Uh, and that's their that's the problem that's what we're trying to help them to get past that from videos like this uh, I, I just wonder sometimes if if we've created we've created god in our own image oh absolutely right? you know we've exactly what the israelites are going to do at, at the foot of mount sinai right when they when they make the golden calf they're remaking yahweh in their own image an image they can control and things like that and so I wonder if we've done that with God. You know, we've put him in, Some, into like a box. Something that I that I <laughs> studied last night in, in my class, and I know this is coming out next Wednesday, but uh, this would have been uh, uh, the Wednesday before, 
in Acts chapter 13, when Paul gets up in front of the synagogue and they ask him, do you got anything to tell us? And and one of the things he says, it says... So I'm sorry, what chapter next? Acts 13. Acts 13. And and he says uh, in verse 17, the God of the people of Israel chose our... The, the God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. And with mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. Mm. Well... I think, I think, and I read it just because of that one part. He endured their conduct. My class, when I, when I read it, they all started laughing because they knew what that meant, the conduct. And we're going to see it here. Right. He's going to endure the conduct. It does get to a point when God says, I've had enough. I'm done. When they come to the promised land, that's part of the conduct he could not endure. And people died because of it. And I think that God's very patient, very loving, very kind. And he gives us plenty of time to get to a place where we where we can where we can grab a hold of who he is and what he is. I think it takes experience, it takes maturity, it absolutely takes knowledge of the book. I think for many people today, I think I think many people today are, are, are not students of the book. Well, and let's and let's clarify too. We'll we'll talk about it more when we get into that chapter because we're we're moving through Exodus, and mm -hmm. so well, it really isn't until Numbers. So it's going to be a while before we get there. So at some point, you know, you said that God said He was done with him. Mm -hmm. But what was it that God said He was done with him? Was it their struggles in sin, missing the mark, or was it rebellion? Their rebellion. And so, and I think we need to clarify that a lot. We talk a lot about obedience, mm -hmm. obey what? Mm -hmm. And we need to clarify when we talk about obedience, we're talking about obeying the gospel. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about living a life in such a way, being so perfect that God's like, well, of course well, I'm going to shower it's, you. But it's not grace. possible. It's not possible to be perfect in every way. You know, the only way that's possible is through Christ. It's through the blood, right? And through the blood of, of the Son. So, the and so way. that's, and that's why I want to clarify this because a lot of times we can get really, you know, my Wednesday night class last night, we talked about this dynamic, right? I put a percentage up on the board and I said, you know, what percentage of our salvation is us and what percentage is God? And we all know the answer is zero me and a hundred God. Yeah. We know that's the answer. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, then why do we base our relationship off God on whether we succeed doing good works or fail in sinning and missing the mark? Because that's not what our relationship with God is based off. Our relation, I mean, while we were yet enemies, he died for us. In Christ, there is no condemnation. And so it, we struggle grabbing onto that and, and really living that and having the joy yeah. that the gospel mm -hmm. brings. And so I want to clarify when God says he's done with people is out and out rebellion. And with these people, we just saw last week in Acts 15, they were already rebelling. Yeah, already. Yeah. And where did that rebellion for them stem from? They did not believe God. They did not believe that he's a good God. They did not believe he was a generous God. He, they did not believe that he was a God set out to save these people. And, and I think if your question is, how do we get there? I think I think it takes maturity. I think it takes watching life and watching how God works, giving God credit when God does things in our lives. I would say I would say it takes a, a community of people. Absolutely, the church, absolutely the body. It takes being body. patient. That's why it's so important, guys, for you to get plugged into a body of believers that are that are teaching the truth, that are living the truth, that are striving to be godly people. You know, and recognizing that they're never going to get there. Go back to Genesis 1, and we've talked about it. You can go back and watch this in our in our series. You can go back and watch Genesis 1. God's initial creation, his 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 desire was to create us and work with us. And he that culminates 
in the church. In Ephesians chapter one, Paul makes it clear that the church was predestined. It was in God's mind yeah. before the creation of the yeah. world. And so the creation, even the creation account is a shadow of what we're going to have in the church. Mm -hmm. And so God wants to work through his church. God does work through his church. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, the church is so helpful in coming. It should be so helpful in coming alongside people and saying, hey, you're not going to get things perfect. And that's okay. God understands that. He knows your heart. Don't give up. Don't rebel. Don't turn away from Christ. Well, if you Keep go look going. at Hebrews chapter three, mm. we see why they, why they, why they fell in the wilderness. Why the, many of them were not going to get to experience this rest because they did not believe. And he said, yeah, and, right. and in that text, that text right at the end of that chapter said, God basically saying, if you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. That's true. That's God's perspective, not mine. That's his perspective. And that's a perspective that I think carries on even today. If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't really believe. Obey what? Obey what God's telling us to do through the gospel. What he's telling us to do about, about uh, lining our lives up with Christ. Christ was, Christ said, if you've listened to me, you've listened to the Father. Well, and I think first, I think in First John, he elaborates on that mm -hmm. on that perfectly, which is love your brethren. Yeah. Love the brethren. Yeah. Love them. Be patient with mm -hmm. them, you know. And it, the love of God is not in you if we don't well, love the well, brethren. Well, the, the Shema, you know. There you go. It, was love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus said, and I'll give you one more than that. Yeah, well, that's love Leviticus, your neighbor yeah. yourself. Levit that's Leviticus 19, yeah. 18. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's included. But you're absolutely right. Christ grabs all of that and says, this is the foundation. Yeah. And it's funny because it's the it's essentially, this is the foundation for any relationship you have with God, whether that be defined by the old covenant we or could, the new covenant. But you know, Cole, we could spend the next hour and a half we could. talking about the love of God and what that looks like. Oh my gosh, means. we could. You know, we should what we're seeing here is what we're seeing here is is these people didn't. And this they is didn't evidence believe. they didn't believe. That means That's they didn't right. love him. That's what it means. It means they didn't love him. Mm. You know, I mean, you can say all day, well, I love God. Well then be obedient. Believe do what he tells you. Do what he tells you. Do. Believe him and do what he tells you. That's what God said. If you love me, then you're gonna be believe me and you're gonna do what I tell you. And if you don't, then that means you don't love me. Right. That's what he says. And that's what these people are going to give be perfect evidence. I mean, it starts right away. Start so this right. is going to come out by the time this comes out, I've already preached, but I'm going to preach on this exact dynamic in James chapter two. So we're yeah. going to, we're, I'm going to, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk about this in more detail. Okay. Um, Let's go ahead. And get Let's jump you. in it. So we're, we're in verse, we're in chapter 16 of Exodus. I know we've kind of arranged through the book already, yeah. but we're in 16 of Exodus and Hey, you know, it all connects. It all connects. Absolutely does. God doesn't change from today to tomorrow, so it all connects. So in Exodus 16, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. And so they're leaving those bitter waters that God turned sweet. Mm -hmm. They're leaving that area. They're leaving that first tension where God says, you know, do what I tell you to do. Where he says, look, if you listen carefully, Lord your God, this is in chapter 15 and verse 26. If you listen carefully, Lord your God, and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention mm -hmm. to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought you on the Egyptians, See, for I am he Lord heals you. Yahweh Rapha, the healer. He said, That's I'll right. heal you. That's right. If you just do what I tell you. This is what I want. Yep. This is what I want. I want what to does he want today? You. Right. I want to heal you. What yeah. does he want? He wants to do the same thing. He wants to heal us. He, he put his son on the cross. That's right. So he get so he can get us to that place, and you know, and, and then what do we do? We spend a great deal of time trying to trying to diagnose God, trying to analyze what he what his concepts are, and and we fall farther and farther away from him. That's what we do. All right, that's so, right. No, you're absolutely right. So they're leaving Elam, 
And they came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Here we go again. Yep. Now, this is not... But, so. But this, but you have to read the context here to understand so what, what's happening. In the 21st century, when we say, you know, where it's almost like a prerequisite in the United States to be a good citizen of the United States to grumble, mm -hmm. right? We complain about everything, yep. right? All of us have an opinion. We all think the people in charge are idiots. We all have opinions. And if we were in charge, don't you know it would be better, oh, right? Yeah. That's that's almost, sadly to say, that's almost part and parcel of being an American, mm -hmm. right? So when, as, as, as someone in the 21st century reading this, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. I'm sitting here thinking, well, they probably deserved it. You know, Moses and Aaron probably deserved this. Mm -hmm. If their whole community is grumbling, their leadership is bad, we probably need to elect new leaders. They do try that at some point. It blows up in their face. Yeah. It's not a good idea. This yep. is not acceptable because Moses and Aaron have been chosen by God to lead mm -hmm. the people, right? To lead and this community. it's not like it hasn't been obvious. Well, and on top of all of these things, God has demonstrated his goodness to these people over and over and over and over again. He's already told them, this is what I intend for you. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron because they don't believe it. They yeah. don't believe it. And you ask yourself, how can, how can it be? They got a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They watched the Red Sea part and they watched their enemy be destroyed within that sea when it came crashing back on top of them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I run into people all the time, all the time, who are like, why doesn't God just go set up on a mountaintop? <laughs> why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't God just set up on a mountaintop, say, look, I'm here, I'm God. And my response to that is, he's tried it. Yeah, he's, he's done that. He's done it, it didn't work. He's done that. He did that with these people. Yeah. He did that with Pharaoh. He's going to do it later in the prophets with Elijah. Yeah. And five, what is it, 5,000 priests of Baal or something like that? 450 prophets of Baal. I, I, can't, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so all these prophets of Baal, God's going to send fire down and all these things, and he's going to do all this stuff. God has done it. Been there, done that, and guess what? People Nobody, still didn't listen. They didn't, they didn't listen. People still didn't listen. Jesus well, we said, would surely listen. Jesus said it this way. We could send somebody back from the dead. And yeah. Still not gonna listen. Yeah. And that's exactly 16, what he does. Believe, where it talks about Lazarus and Rich Man. That's and, right. You know, he and the rich man says, God, please send Lazarus to to send him back to my brothers. I don't want to come to this place. Jesus brought multiple people back from the dead. Yeah. Multiple. Yeah. And then he came back himself. And they didn't believe. People still don't believe. No. no. Now and now, two thousand years later, we try to people try to throw all that into into doubt, you know, and it's not oh did Christ even exist? Foolish questions. So yeah. It's very obvious yeah. historically. Yeah. But so here we are in the desert, grumbling again. They do not believe God. That's why they're grumbling. Verse three, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. It's better if we'd be dead. Why? What is the problem now? What is the problem this time? There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Oh my gosh. We don't have any meat. We, it would have been better had we been back in Egypt. This is, see, this is really what rebellion is all about. Yeah. I don't believe that God is going to do the things that he has said he's going to do. I do not believe that God is going to come through. And because I do not believe that God is going to do these things... It'd be better if I was just back over here. Yeah. And so we make decisions based on that mindset. We do. And it gets us farther away from him than closer. That's what we do. You know, we talked about it. We talked about it this morning. You know, there, there are decisions that have to be made and we make them based on our own understanding of God. And it gets us farther away from him, not closer. Church, I want to make sure you understand this. Just, just 
because we're here, we're in this dynamic, and so so we need to talk about it, I think. Um, God owns all the money. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need your money. Um, and if you give money, if, you're, if you've ever thought about donating here and you want to give that money, if you're giving that money because you think that God needs your money, I want you to, to think twice. God doesn't need your money. Uh, God gives you an opportunity to partner with him. If we look in Philippians chapter 4, we see that when we partner with God in giving, when we do that, we are blessed for it. We are blessed here for it. We are blessed spiritually for it. I mean, it's all right there in Philippians 4. We are partnering with these ministries. When we give, it's an act of worship. We get to say that we're betting on God. This is an opportunity for us to do this. Guys, God really does make all of it. He owns all of it. Not like the United States government that just thinks apparently they can just print out whatever they want right? They have no control over these things. God really does. Mm -hmm. And we need to grab onto that. We need to be, why do we give? Why do we do this? Because we want to participate with what God is doing. You know, my family and I, we support a domestic missionary. Why do we do that? Because we see value in the work that she is doing in the church. And so we financially want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of that. And that costs money. And we're okay with that. We're not giving because we don't think that God can't handle it. We're giving because we want to be in part. We want to be involved. We want to be a part of the work that God is doing. And that's why we give, because it's an opportunity for us to come alongside what God is doing. These people, and of course, that giving epitomizes a complete trust in God. That's the way we can demonstrate. We talked about you know, not just in word, right? Don't just lip service to me, but show, right? Show that we are a part of this. And it's it's an opportunity for us to be the exact opposite of this. Yep. Because in this, they don't trust, right? What are they saying? If only, in verse three, if only we, uh, we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt because you brought us out here to die, God. What did the Lord say to Moses, brother, in verse four? Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gathered on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to, tell, and said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. You know, they, they grumble and they're looking at Moses and Aaron, the only one they can get their hands on. And say, look what you've done. You brought us out here to die in this desert. And we had, we had enough meat to eat. And it, it would have been better if we'd have died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. Yes, they were. Absolute yes, slaves. Were. I, I I like the the fact that God said, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna rain down." He, how did he put it? He said, "He said in this." Uh, he said, "I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day." In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. You don't think God's doing that today? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He gives us He gives us chart. 
This book is full of things that he gives us charge to do. You just talked about it, about giving. You don't think that sometimes God blesses us and then sits back to see what we're going to do with it. Oh, sure. I guarantee you know, are you Are you going to be like a child? That's, I mean, I have the communion thought Sunday morning. And I said, watch these children when they give for the, for the children's offering. That's great. When you watch them, now you see what cheerful giving looks like. That's right. You know, they don't care about no dollar. They don't care if you get if you gave them a fifty dollar bill. They don't care. They don't make any difference no to them. Idea. They have no idea. They don't care. They just run and getting dollars from everybody to put in to send to 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 support to who two children in Nicaragua. Yeah, that's what it's for. That's what these kids. They don't even know the kids. I mean, they they've seen pictures and stuff like that, but they don't. They haven't met these kids. But it doesn't matter to them. You know, God says I'm going to rain down bread from heaven, and I'm going to give you some charge about it. You can only gather enough for that day. And on the sixth day, you got to gather enough for two days. I'm going to test you and see if you'll do what I tell you. You know, what happens to it if, it get, if they gather too much? You know, most people go, man, I may even go, wow, man. You know, and we've and got two big old baskets full. Well, I know my family can only eat one basket. What happens to the second basket? Mm-hmm. You know, what happens to the second basket? It gets full of worms. Yeah. You know, you know, God's testing them. said, I told you what to do. What you're doing here is not is saying, I don't trust you. I need enough for two more days. That's right. That's what that's what we, when I don't when I don't give my money, when I don't go to church on Sunday, when I decide, oh, you know, I've got better things to do. I'll take this job that's gonna keep me from church because I need more money. What you're saying is I don't trust you to take care of me, so I won't do what you tell me when you say do not forsake the assembling of the saints. As a habit of some is, I don't trust you, so I'm going to go do something to make sure I get enough money. Oh, it's okay. I won't go to church this week. I won't go to well, church. And, it, and it, it boils down to priorities. You know, it's what is my priority in life? Is my priority in life scratching and, and fighting and grabbing like the world for income? Mm-hmm. Christ said, if you pursue my righteousness, these things will be added unto you. Yep. That's a direct promise from God. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a millionaire or a billionaire. No. Okay. That, that's not what that's saying. That's not saying that if you give, God's going to turn around and bless it 10 times. That's no, no, no. That's not what any of that's saying. What that's saying is God, what God is saying, Christ is saying there is you have a heavenly father who's in charge of everything and he knows what you need. Mm-hmm. He knows what you need, and he's going to give you the things that you need. That's right. That's all he's going to give. He's That's going right. to give you the things that you need, and you need to bank on that. Yep. And so when it comes down to these decisions, right, the, especially in the scenario you laid out, I could take this job, it'd be more money, but now I'm missing church. And I, pr- I probably won't get to work. I probably won't won't get to come to the assembly anymore. Should I take that or job? Or it'll be limited. Or to be maybe limited. I'll come twice a month. Or we've had we've had people come and, and talk to the eldership specifically and say, I have this opportunity, this new opportunity at my job, but it would be more hours. It's a lot more money. It's more hours though, and and I'm gonna have to pull back from the things I'm doing in ministry that I'm doing here, you know, with the church. And is that what God wants for you? Does that I mean, is that really what Could he you wants? You look at this person and say, What if he's testing me? Putting all, you know, he, think about it. He laid all this money at their feet. Okay. All this money. And he said, you can only take enough for what you need for one day. If you take more of it, it's going to all burn up. So you can only take what's enough for one day. I mean, with them, they had, it's a, it's a very clear word from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we need to understand that with them, it was in front of them visible all the time. Right. So with us, it's not, 
God's not looking at us directly and saying like he is to them. So there is a slight difference to it, but you're absolutely right. Even though God is not saying, he's already told us exactly what you're saying. He's already said, I'm going to provide what you need if you pursue me. So he's already said that, right? Yep. And so it's we're already in this paradigm. And I, we see brothers and sisters make good decisions here. And we see brothers and sisters make bad decisions here. My Sunday morning class, we're studying the book of John. We studied John chapter 12 last week. And I, and I told him, I said, I said, we spend a lot of time figuring out what we're going to do and figuring out how we're going to do it. And the end of John chapter 12 says, the words I spoke will judge you the last day. And I said, do you understand? I mean, we do a lot. Most of us can talk a lot, but we don't listen very well. And I told him, I said, I want you to do something for me next week. I want you to block out a point of time where you just sit, where you just sit down and you listen to God for a, for a period of time. And I said, that means you're going to have to open the book and let him talk to you. I said, I want you to, to do that. I said, the first question I'm going to ask you this coming Sunday is, did you do that? How did you do with that? Did you, did you open the word and just let God talk to you for a minute? So I think he does lay it out for us. I think the scripture is very clear about some things that he does lay out for oh, us. Oh, I'm sorry. I just meant very specifically, like, if you grab well, there's more no pillar, of time, pillar of fire, no. Right. That's, that's, there's that's no quail right. in the evening. So it's not, all I was, I apologize. All I was saying was it's not an exact one for one. I, I but, brought this up last night in Wednesday night class because that's where Paul goes. And I said, I said, I love quail. I said, I love quail more than dove. I don't, I don't really like eat dove. I like to eat quail. But, you know, eating it every day. Well, and that's and that's what's about to happen, right? Yep, Verse nine. Sure then Moses is. told the Aaron, told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord. Because remember, what they were complaining about was meat and food, right? Yep. Um, he is so come before the Lord. He has heard your grumbling in verse nine, verse 10. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. So the cloud is still there. Yeah. Cloud is up there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's God visibly manifested right yeah. mm -hmm. before us in this cloud. So the Lord said to Moses in verse 12, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said, said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. <coughs> Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Now, the, the omer is just a, a ancient measurement, okay? Yeah. So it's like a cup or a cord or something, yeah. something of that effect. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the Omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So God's working, right? Mm -hmm. You can go out there and think, oh man, I need all of this. And you got one guy just picking up like one thing and it's, it's all just the amount of money. So God is always working. Mm -hmm. God is here. He is providing. This isn't about anything you were doing. Verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, in verse 20, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. We don't believe him. <laughs> it's 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 a it's an overriding problem that we have in our culture today. God God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's not changed any. He may not sit on a mountain. He already tried that. Didn't work. 
But here's God blessing this nation, blessing us as individuals with great things, man, in our lives, great opportunities in our life. And and we and we look at it and say, man, look at how good I am. Look at how good, man, how lucky I've been. You know, and how 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 forthcoming all of this has been in my life. And I've I've made I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I've made all this possible in my life. And really it's God working, trying to get people to care about him, to be obedient to him. You know, stop and think about it for I think I think we're gonna stop here because this there's another test in this, and he introduces the Sabbath okay. in verse 21. That that's coming up. But um and how this dynamic is gonna work on the Sabbath, right? Um, but from a, from a world from an uh, let's deal with the church's perspective for a second here god says you're forgiven you know we've been talking about providing earthly things you know the means mm -hmm. the, the, those types of things you talked about that a lot but in in the church romans 8 chapter 1 romans 8 uh romans 8 verse 1 says there is now no condemnation and yet we have brothers and sisters in the church who struggle to believe that God has actually forgiven them. And they judge their relationship with God based on the peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. You know, the days that I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I'm praying, I'm reading the word, I'm doing all these things. And, oh, I, I, I messed up again. And God's very angry and upset at me. And then, oh, I'm doing better, I'm doing better. And it's and they're, it's like a roller coaster with their relationship with God. That's not the relationship he's given us. No. In, in Christ... He knows we're going to write, says in first John, he says, as we walk in the light, as Jesus in the light, the blood of light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us of all sin and walking in the light. We find out later in John chapter, uh, John, first John chapter two and first John chapter three, that measurement is loving our brethren. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's not whether we sin or not. Is it okay to sin? No, it's not okay. Stop sinning. Stop it. How can we who have died to sin continue to live in it? We died in Christ to those things. And he is constantly sanctifying making us holy dedicating us to his purpose yep. and that those things are not determined based on our performance none of it ever has been based on our performance when we talk about obedience we're talking about obeying the gospel and living a life of obedience and that is lived out by loving our brothers and sisters living in such a way that love now we're not saying love like earthly love no we're talking about the way god loves and the expectations that God has in that relationship. So we're not talking about accommodation. We're not talking about those types of things. So from a church's perspective, when God says you're forgiven, we can take it to the bank. Yep. We are forgiven. We don't have to struggle with that. But let's look at it from a worldly perspective for a second or towards the world, right? The world is scratching and scrambling for what? For everything, right? Mm -hmm. For money, for purpose, for meaning. I mean, literally living in a, in a life of death that's going to end in a, not a metaphorical death, but a real death. God is sitting there the whole time and he's looking at you and he's saying, you don't, it doesn't have to be this way. It's not meant to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. You just need to trust me. Mm -hmm. And I think the question that we all have to answer is whether we're going to trust him. We spend a lot of time in the church uh, or no, I, I can't say that. But there, there are times when we when we uh, we live in a society where grumbling, complaining is part of our existence. Okay, and uh, and God looking and, and when you get in the church, you start grumbling, grumbling and complaining against leadership in the church. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. and if and if God put those people in place, mm -hmm. then are you grumbling, complaining against those guys, or are you grumbling and complaining against Him? Mm. 
I think this text says that you know you can you can have a difference of opinion with an elder or a preacher, but grumbling and complaining about them to other people is absolutely it's absolutely something God says no way. You're grumbling or complaining against me. Absolutely, and that's what Moses and Aaron tell. And so, and it's I love I love the scriptures because it's so deep. There's so many layers to it. That's another. That's a that's a very important dynamic. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk real heavily on that. I'm glad you brought it up at the end. But it's very true because you're what you're doing in that <clears throat> when you do that is you are doubting the intentions of your brother and sister, right? You're showing partiality. Mr. James, chapter two, you shouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, you know, instead make it make up your mind that you're just going to assume that everyone's that your brothers and sisters are doing the things they're supposed to be doing until proven otherwise. Yeah. What a great, what a great point. Let's pray, brother. All right. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, to talk about you. We thank you, Father, for the freedom we have to do that. Father, we know that we don't always do everything that we're supposed to do. We're not always, you know, we'd ask, Father, that you would help our unbelief. Uh-huh. You know, take us to a place where when you test us that we, that, we, uh, uh, that we pass the test, that we are obedient like we're supposed to be, that we learn and we grow so that we can be everything that you envision us to be. We know you have plans for us as individuals. You have plans of things you want us to do and want us to accomplish. Father, we ask that you help us to do that. Help us to live our lives in a way where you can do everything you've envisioned for us through our lives. Thank you, Father, for the things you will do. And thank you, Father, for the way that you'll do them in our lives. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.